3: Yes, Bears
2: fans, this is Take the North.
3: It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run.
2: With your hosts,
3: David Hahn
2: Are they
4: setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all of this draft capital they have, voila playoff contender.
1: And Dan Wieter. And you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers. I just don't know what fantasy land that is. We're going to
3: take the North and never give it back.
4: Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I am David Haw from the Mullen Haw show on 6-7 the score. Dan Wieter is from the Chicago Tribune. Thank you to Herb Howard for filling in last week. <laughs> had a terrific uh, senior bowl week, so I'm sure that he had a good workout. I think that uh, his evaluation for what I what I could tell, <laughs> scouts were very high on a Herb Howard, Dan. So, yeah, good episode.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he's going to be part of the uh, Take the North family when we need a, a, a pinch hitter here and there. I'd say it was nice to, to talk ball with him, obviously talk a lot about uh, Patrick Mahomes and things leading up to the Super Bowl. I can't believe we're here, you know, episode 51, and, and we're, we're approaching uh, a Super Bowl that's very intriguing, David, in a lot of ways. And I'm uh, on the verge of a, a full prediction flip-flop. Here, after uh, initially going all in with uh, the Eagles, I, I'm I'm about uh, two steps from, from flipping it and going Chiefs.
4: Wow, that was easy. So you can listen <laughs> to the Take the North pod, as I said, anywhere you get your podcast or the free Odyssey app. You can watch us on the 670 the Scores YouTube page or the Odyssey YouTube page. And we are in the midst of Super Bowl week. A lot of things going on. In Arizona, a lot of Bears connections and things also going on yeah. off the field for the Bears. We're just going to run through a lot of little connections, Dan, because as much as the, the Eagles and the Chiefs are fixated and obviously deciding who the who's going to be the champion this year, 30 other teams are trying to work uh, toward next season and filling out staffs, beginning the scouting process, and there's a lot going on. I think let's begin with what I feel like uh, as we uh, tape this podcast this this morning that Matt Nagy's presence at the Super Bowl created a little bit of uh, interest, piqued the curiosity of some Chicago reporters who were in Arizona covering the Super Bowl, thought it was very interesting what Matt Nagy had to say in terms of the lessons learned during his head coaching tenure uh, with the Bears. Also, you know, he was a likable guy, Dan, and when he talked candidly about learning from his failure and he's talking about failing, you felt for him a little bit, and, and that was very um, – I, I don't think it was very surprising, but it just shows you that it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that he's landed on his feet with Kansas City, he's in the Super Bowl, but still a very, I think, I don't want to say painful period to reflect on, but he looks back with some regret.
1: Well, first of all, as you well know, uh, having covered Super Bowl, the best part of the week is the mandatory availability where every coach and every player of both teams are, are um, basically available to you for an hour if you need them on, on three different days. And obviously, Monday uh, was the, the, the big festivities, uh, the, the the circus, if you will, of, of media availability at the Super Bowl. But it gives an opportunity for those in the Chicago media who are down there to just walk up to Matt Nagy and, and really for the first time time since his firing uh, a year plus ago, have the chance to to, to go deeper, to get a layer down, a a second layer down and just kind of get his reflections, his sentiments, his thoughts. I mean, I, I do think that Matt is sincere. When he, when he talks about the, the lessons he learned and things he wishes he had done different here. I've also been very consistent in echoing that the final season that Matt was here, the setup was not ideal. Uh, and I've said as much that, that, that the, the organizational health wasn't at a point where they could put together a plan that made sense long term. It was all grasping at the now. And so that's why you wind up signing Andy Dalton in free agency. It's why you wind up drafting Justin Fields, obviously a a month after signing Andy Dalton and then having a different developmental plan for him because you felt like you were in a win or else situation, which you were in and you didn't win and you got the or else, right? And the or else happened to be a firing. It happened to be for Matt Nagy, a trip to South Africa with his wife after leaving uh, Hallis Hall. And then now it's a, a trip in the Super Bowl working every single day with Patrick Mahomes again.
4: That was a fascinating detail in, in Patrick Finley's story in SometimesSometimes.com. sometimes.com. I know he was holding court with everybody, but yeah. just the reality of or coming to this realization of you wanted to work again and processing through the previous four years on, on a safari in South <laughs> Africa with your wife when really you you wanted to be anywhere but there, frankly, and he didn't want to be you know, uh, an unemployed head coach. Uh, but but I think that was one of the things. And, and Matt Nagy, you know, for, for all of his issues in terms of not being able to really – it's odd, Dan. I always felt like he's a likable guy. He's one of these guys that you could really envision having a beer with. And really one of the things he struggled with mightily in Chicago was communication. And he, he never really spoke with a lot of clarity. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people like to um, – point out the fact that it was it, a lot of his messages were garbled and, and kind of lost in translation. And, and when we played the the audio, part of the audio on, on the morning show, on the Moline Haas show, I, I warned people or apologized for having, if they swerved off the <laughs> road because they were triggered by hearing Matt Nagy's voice again, that's the kind of effect sometimes he had on Bears fans. And yet I think the people that covered him, you could speak to this better than I could probably being around him more, more often – he was a likable guy.
1: Yeah. I respected the way Matt handled himself. I think we all know that his inability to get that offense uh, unlocked and back on track for an extended period of time is the reason he's no longer here. And the reason the bears went in a different direction, but, but, Personally, I felt he was, um, you know, a a good leader in certain ways. And then there are things that come with being the head coach slash CEO of an NFL team that are a little eye opening. And I did think it was reflective of Matt in Arizona to talk about the way he sees Andy Reid do the job differently this time around than he did when he was under him as an assistant, where you're just kind of in your own world and not considering all the big picture ramifications of everything you do at the top. And so I, you know, who knows? You know, a lot of times. this league guys don't get second chances some guys get second third fourth chances to to roll through things so we don't know what matt Nagy's future holds i do think that you know he will be in the league for a long time and and a prominent role and we'll see which way his ladder takes him Um, but certainly he was there and 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 then you know certainly he was also uh, very praiseful uh, of justin fields and and the belief after one year spending time with justin fields having the sense that the preparation habits the passion all those sort of leadership and tangibles that you look for in a, a compelling franchise quarterback are there with Justin. So it was interesting to hear that a year later where, where, where Matt was on that.
4: And that came up with uh, Mark Carman, I think of CHGO, approached Matt and asked him about the decision to start him against the Browns, a game everybody wishes they could forget. And also just to get his impressions on Justin Fields in year two. Justin, part of it, do you almost sort of regret putting him out there in in
3: week three when you look back at it? Well... So that situation again. There's so many things that can go on. You know. You know. Take uh, care. Uh, Andy got hurt, yeah. and we we had a plan through this whole. Day. Everybody said, "Hey, you're trying to do the the Alex Smith, uh, Patrick Mahomes deal." Right. They're all different, and we we wanted to make sure that we we handled Justin. We knew that that was our future, right. and we wanted to handle him and do everything we possibly could to make sure that he succeeded. Scheme, um, how we handle practices, everything. Thing. And there, it's just – that was a unique situation um, with with our quarterback room. They were all great. They handled it great. But, you know, it, it just didn't go the way we wanted it to. And, uh, again, you just learned from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just look back at it like I just thought maybe, like, if you were under pressure, like, i got to develop this guy. My job's on the line. But maybe, like, in the right and right and right, maybe it wasn't – we weren't ready to put him out there and he wasn't ready to do it. Again, these guys are so young. And when they're thrown into it, everybody thinks that – if it just happen overnight. Right. They're gonna play like they did in college. That's not real, yeah. um, and so. As you're, when you're a coach and you go through your your offense, your scheme, your players, you want to do everything you possibly can to make it easy for them to succeed, whatever that is. And we learn too as coaches. Yes. And so you know, you go back to the Cleveland Browns game, right? It was a, a really, really uh, difficult game. I think there was eight or nine sacks for, and it's not what we wanted for for him for Justin, right? We didn't want it for us. We didn't want it for Justin. The last thing you want is to hurt, is to hurt somebody's confidence a young quarterback like we did that game yeah. no one wants that you know for anybody and so we needed to learn from that and be able to change some things and how we handled him and but you end up running out of time and and you also know that uh schematically you know um
4: it just was a there was a, a different situation schematically you might want to try to, to block miles garrett That might have been schematically what you wanted to do. We all remember that afternoon. I love Carm. I love the fact that he asked Matt Nagy about the Browns scheme and game plan all this time later. Yeah. And that brought back some real unpleasant memories for Barry's well, Honestly,
1: David, there's so much within that soundbite that's worth talking about. And I do think it's funny that Matt's here in, in a very exciting week at the Super Bowl, you know, trying to go get a ring with the Chiefs. And now he's all of a sudden he's 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 put in the time machine and he's back in in week three of, of the, the season that cost him his job in Chicago. And it's just it, it, it's funny to kind of I mean he was open about it. He didn't bristle about it. The one thing I would take exception to what he said there is, is that, that he, he regretted um putting Justin in a situation where he, he lost some confidence. I don't think Justin lost any confidence. and I think one of the, the most telling things in Justin's early development was the way he came back the following week. I'm pretty sure they beat the Lions the very next game, and it was a sign of mental fortitude and resilience that wasn't there in Justin's predecessor that was sort of refreshing and reassuring. Like, oh man, this dude just got his brains beat in, and one week later, he wasn't seeing ghosts. He wasn't freaking out. He was he was sturdy enough and, and mature enough emotionally to just get on to the next thing and that's one of the gifts that Justin has that's potentially going to going to make him an engine of uh, of championship runs.
4: He might have lost confidence in the coaching staff, maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> you after executing a game plan where you are exposed to the extent that Justin Fields was exposed in that start against the Browns, I could see that happening more than I could see probably questioning yourself because from from his standpoint he's a first round draft pick he's always had success he's going into the game for the first time he's facing this kind of challenge very confident in his own abilities my goodness nobody's blocking the rush end so i would think very naturally you could see Justin Fields coming out of that not necessarily doubting himself as much as what has he got himself into here in chicago because that would be the thing that I would question the most out of that experience.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And some of the, the flashbacks that make you kind of shudder Something, a little bit, yeah. I, I, it just, it's just the entirety of, of how 2021 was set up and unfolded. And we really knew it in January that they were potentially going down a path where they were trying to do two things at once. They were trying to, to turn the page while also holding on to these dwindling hopes that they were in a, a legitimate championship contender. And they were trying to straddle that Fence and David, you know what happens when you try to straddle a fence. It ends up pretty painful, right? Like it's it's not the thing you want to do. I just that. I mean, and and that's what it was, right? It was it was it was coming out of this this Mirage playoff season in 2020 in the pandemic year, being exposed in the playoff game against the Saints for who you really were. But then trying to be like, oh, but what if we just hold on a little longer while also trying to draft a quarterback, develop them, and not have a real clear cut plan in a direction. And that's the reason I bring that up now, David, is because it, it ties back into everything we. We've been talking about for the past month in terms of, top-down organizational oversight and leadership that allows you to not fall into those traps that has, you know, sets a clear path. And so Kevin Warren's hiring as a president last month is something I think gives you a little bit more confidence that you won't get caught in one of these zones trying to do too many things at once and ultimately making mistakes that everyone saw in advance were going to be mistakes and then having to pay for the mistakes and then having to start over and then reboot and rebuild and, and lose and then celebrate a number one pick. And here we are.
4: Last thing about Matt Nagy before we move on, because we have a lot of other stuff to get to. Question for you. Yeah. Who do you think has a better chance of becoming a head coach first? Matt Nagy, who could have a Super Bowl ring on his <laughs> finger after being on a Super Bowl winning staff uh, with a winning record at his first and only tenure as an NFL head coach, or Luke Getze, offensive coordinator of a 14 loss team who might be presiding over the emergence of somebody who could be a Pro Bowl caliber franchise quarterback in Justin Fields.
1: Remind me how you phrased that question so I can answer it specifically. Who's got the better chance to do it first?
4: Who's got the better chance of becoming a NFL head coach quickest?
1: I say Getzee because I think Getzee holds the keys to one of the league's most intriguing players. And if he can get it unlocked and if he can push Justin toward a developmental springboard that that turns the Bears into a legitimate team again, all of a sudden that stock will rise and you will not only have a, a, a guy who has taken this young, raw talent and turned him into something, you'll be striking while the iron's hot. I mean, obviously, we know Matt got you know, the the, the Andy Reid shine helped him get the Bears job, but that was before Patrick Mahomes was even even starting there. And so it, it remains to be seen just how much um, he can do and has done to turn a quarterback into a difference maker in this league. And so I think Luke's opportunity is, is better at this point because Patrick obviously is established. We know who he is, and we know that the credit largely belongs in Andy's lap.
4: I don't disagree with that, and yet I find that – Uh, And it's not mildly surprising, but it just underscores how much you have to take advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself. Matt Nagy left Chicago after, in his words, having failed. And yet he had a winning record, correct? I mean, he won more games than he lost as the Bears head coach.
1: So I got a, a, a trivia question from uh, someone who will not be named right now, but via text asking who would have the better tenure as a coach in Chicago, Matt Nagy or Matt Eberflus. And and if you're setting Vegas odds on that, you say Matt Nagy because Matt Nagy had a record above 500, and it's going to be a steep climb for Matt Eberflus to coach his next game with a, a career record as a head coach above 500. That's a long haul and to get he, back to.
4: If you get to the Super Bowl in year three, uh, nobody's going to care about what your overall record is. No doubt. Care about you know who you're playing and and how much you're going to pay Justin Fields to keep him in Chicago.
1: Have you have you projected a Super Bowl in year three? Is that where we're at? Okay, okay, all right. Okay, (laughs) okay. Just (laughs) wanted.
4: This is taking the north, but they're still climbing it. All right, (laughs) so we're not exactly there yet.
1: I'm Sandra
4: Let's stick with some staff news and some assistant coach uh, developments. Let's go with uh, the Bears first before we move on to the division. Obviously, I don't think we've talked since they hired John Hoke, a veteran, uh, to the staff. He will be in charge of cornerbacks, I believe, passing game coordinator, a lot of different titles. Bottom line is, knowing John Hoke as I do, knowing, uh, being familiar with his work, they're hiring him to stabilize a staff to give some more veteran um, i guess input and experience because they've got to me the secondary could be potentially the strength of this team you get somebody that is is as well traveled as john hoke as experienced as he is to me this was a very good move for a staff that uh, defensively i mean obviously this, the results need improvement but the staff i think overall acquitted the, itself pretty well over, as as a as a group
1: so I, I, I'm certainly interested in picking your brain on this topic and hearing more thoughts on it. John was with the Bears for my first season on the beat. He was a holdover from the Lovey regime and Tressman's first season, and so I got to know him a little bit. But you know him really well and he's inheriting a secondary here with three young players in gordon brisker and jalen johnson that you hope become cornerstones of what you're trying to build in chicago and so if you can get your fingerprints on those guys and turn them into something now all of a sudden you 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 get that defense humming in the right direction and you can speak to john's ability to to connect and and on a very personal level to, to to develop
4: well sure as a coach obviously he was here between 2009 and 2014 and the players that went through House Hall at that time all pretty much said the same thing about John Hoke demanding yes smart always put themselves put him them in, in a good position to succeed fundamentally sound and really um, somebody who a stickler for details so that's their version of, of playing for John Hoke now on a personal level you're right I am a little admittedly biased I, I have a, a connection with John Hoke we are both the former Ball State defensive backs um, I know his family, uh, his brother, Brady Hoke, was the head coach at Ball State. He preceded me at Ball State. I know that the connection between Brady Hoke and Matt Eberflus, who were on the same staff at Toledo way back in the day, helped facilitate John Hoke returning to Hallis Hall because of that connection, because of that trust, if you will. It's all about relationships, always is in any industry. But I can tell you that John Hoke is as level-headed and really as as good of a guy as you're going to have um, – in the building at house and i think the the, the young players are really going to benefit from his experience and the fellow coaches are going to benefit just from his expertise so i think yeah, yeah. we go but he also was a former bear in 1980 he was a player he briefly was on um the taxi squad or he might have played in a game or two not a long career but he got right, i got into coaching after that so he this is actually his third stint representing the Bears organization.
1: These are little moments, right, that, that, that help boost the football team up, and and you know, I like I recall, we can say all we want about Ed Donatello as a defensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings and his search for work after losing out of that job, but when he arrived here as a, a secondary coach, there was a profound respect immediately amongst the players in that room, and there were young players like Kyle Fuller uh, trying to, to have a career resurgence. There was Eddie Jackson in there, and then these guys fed into the teaching, and they fed into the ability on a daily basis to get better, and all of a sudden you saw some of the takeoff and so if you can get a a, a number of these different sort of staff moves or things that that just do a little bit to catalyze things all of a sudden you shorten your road back and as we've documented for months and months on this podcast the road back is a long one
4: well I have a ton of confidence in the Bears secondary to take that step now even more so because I already like the talent and now I know they're going to be coached in a way that they will and I was a big fan I think we both respected Alan Williams and the approach he took overall As a defensive coordinator, you get more talent up front. Yeah, it could be set. And this could be, you know, this is a good move. It's only an assistant coach, only an assistant coach. But you're right. These little moves do tend to make a big impact if you make enough of the right ones.
1: No question. And you look like there was a handful of uh, staff changes. I think they brought on Omar Young, assistant quarterbacks coach, uh, had some strength and conditioning uh, shifts around and other offensive quality control coaching. So just some minor mechanics inside the building that they're tweaking. And and we'll get a little bit more uh, insight into those as they get back on the football field in the spring.
4: And we like to keep those Ball State alums employed. So that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody's hiring them nowadays. And so good for for the Barrett's for taking that on.
4: Uh, You mentioned Ed Donatel, he is, the former viking defensive coordinator the person they hired to replace him the vikings i think hit a home run dan this to me i said this on on the morning show and and i don't take it back i think in hiring brian flores this might be the most significant staff addition or new coach entering the division in this offseason. he pulled himself out of the finalist uh, contention uh, for the arizona cardinals head coaching job maybe he knew he wasn't going to get it But I think that he made this move before he knew what was going to happen in Arizona. And I think he sees opportunity. The Vikings have the weapons on offense. The Vikings, if they're as aggressive and if they are reflective of the kind of coach that we know Brian Flores can be, this is a very interesting move in Minneapolis. And I think it's not great news for the Bears because every defense is now going to be geared to stop in part Justin Fields as he continues to emerge, this is a great move for the Vikings.
1: Well, and the Vikings need a little bit of a talent infusion on that defense as well. It wasn't all uh, at Donatel for the struggles right. that they had that, that ultimately uh, bounced them from the playoffs early in a, in a disappointing loss. But you're going to get a guy in there that is a, you know, a stickler for detail, a guy who breathes um, a fire every single day that he coaches. And, and Ryan Flores could unite with Kevin O'Connell on the offensive side of the ball and really do some things that make things sustainable. For the Vikings, we talk all the time about this—the the, you know, wanting to avoid the flash and then the dive, which the Bears have been masters at for for 30 years. And I think there's a perception around the league that that this was pretty flimsy, that the the Vikings weren't a 13-win team, that they're not going to be a factor in 2023 or beyond. And I, you know, I just would like to see because I think they played some winning football in in 2022, and they have some things to build on. They obviously have one of the best talents in the game and Justin Jefferson on offense, and now you add uh, to your defense in a way that, that seems significant with, with Brian Flores coming in, who has gotten results quickly in previous stops, and and, and, you, and you see what what's there for it. This is going to be a transition year in the division in a lot of different ways for all four teams, and it's going to be really fascinating to, to kind of see where each one of these four teams in the North take their transition and which way they, they, they ultimately come out when we get to this point a year from now.
4: It'll be Brian Flores devising game plans to stop Luke Getze and his game plan every week that they play. I mean, I, that, that's the matchup that I look forward to. Dan, Luke Getze coming off a senior bowl experience in Mobile, Alabama as the head coach. His team lost 27 to 10, but what, experience it, what an experience it was for him to get an up-close and personal observation opportunity for some of these prospects who represent kind of the rank and file of the NFL draft. These are seniors. These are guys who aren't necessarily, you know, surefire first rounders, but they're guys who may, you know, be the, the second and third day picks. These are guys that when you go into a room on draft day, day two or day three, it's great to have somebody like Getze being able to tell you what uh, John Michael Schmitz uh, looks like at the center from Minnesota, or maybe the wide receiver uh, jitterbug from Houston or whatever the case may be the edge rusher from Auburn, these are valuable insights that he can offer now that he had a first-hand experience over the course of a week.
1: Yeah. I, I, I never like to overstate it because it's all going to come to, to play in, in the draft room in April. But I think there is a, a level of insight that you get when you're hands on. And I think Luke will have um, an ability to communicate in those rooms about how player X handled meetings about, Hey, let's steer away from player Y because his ability to pick up concepts felt a little slow to me. And we weren't able to really connect in, in, in the communication standpoint that, that you want to, you get, you Gain an insight into how guys are behind closed doors when they're not just running drills out there, and how they interact with teammates in meetings. And, and, and it's very small, and it's it's a one week sort of sample size in a in a different kind of environment. But there are things that you can at least add to the discussion when you're finalizing that draft board in April. When you've got Ryan Poles and his staff working through some things and saying, "Hey, where do we draw the the line for this cloud?" and and, and who do we want to push up or down? And and Luke can say, "Well, listen, like my four days in Mobile with this dude were awesome, and and I would love to have." have him so let's bump him up a peg we'll see where it goes and I I think for for Luke in general I just think it's a great experience to 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 have that opportunity for for the question you asked earlier to lead and and to understand what that's like at the top again it's a small week with a lot of unfamiliar pieces around you in an unfamiliar setting but it gives you a taste of the experience he might have met
4: somebody during the week or had a, a moment with somebody that he's interviewing with next off season and that's going to be an invaluable kind of icebreaker and you know you know these are little things that may come up but we have enough examples to point to that this kind of networking opportunity is something that you want to take advantage of and as far as you know the the evaluation phase you're right sometimes that can get overstated but i also think that there will help us understand better if the bears trade down and they get an additional second round draft pick, and they use it on the center from Minnesota, we'll know why. Maybe because Luke Getze was pounding his fist on the table saying, we got to have that guy because I got to know him during that week in Mobile, and he's somebody you want in your building.
1: Yeah. And then they'll tell us why, and we'll be able to ask, you know, the scouts and then Luke himself on, on, on where they went. I do always point out as at my, my level of caution is that the entire bears coaching staff went down to the senior bowl to coach in 2017. And they, they came back uh, w- with Jordan Morgan as the only player from the senior bowl that they drafted. It was a, you know, a, a day three guard who never played a game in the organization. Meanwhile, in their meeting rooms that week, they had Cooper cup and Hassan Reddick and somehow uh, you know, didn't, didn't find a way to, to make those guys bears. and And so, you know, just caution just little caution. a little caution little fine print kill. little fine print
4: that's a huge buzz kill that
1: is the fine print that's the surgeon general
4: warning that's, yeah. oh my gosh I mean what are we doing here
1: yeah. And and also, don't forget that that senior bowl, there was a, a surprise pop in from uh, Dabo Sweeney, who was down there do, uh, watching some of his Clemson yeah. guys and and issued that whole uh, proclamation that Deshaun Watson is the next Michael Jordan. Yeah. And anyone that passes on him is going to regret it. And again, we don't need to go down the, the rabbit hole of that again. But, hey, you never know what you find out at the senior bowl.
4: You never know what you find out at the senior <laughs> bowl. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Well played
2: All right, everything
4: this offseason, though, is about, we can agree on this, what to expect from Ryan Poles, the evaluation of Ryan Poles' ability to evaluate. And I think that in trying to get to know more about what to expect, it, it's it's fun to talk to as many people as possible who might know him or might have some insight. Obviously, with the Chiefs at the Super Bowl, there's a lot of people there that would offer opinions on Ryan Poles. I talked to somebody who is an unlikely source, Dan, uh, about Ryan Poles, who spent the day with him in Chicago at Howell's Hall last May. Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager, was a guest on the Saturday baseball show that I do inside the clubhouse every Saturday, 9 to 11, with Bruce Levine. Um, And Brian Cashman... 1998 was 31 years old, the second youngest general manager in MLB history. He's somebody who won a world series in 2009. They are perennially in the mix. He is the general manager of the Yankees. My point being, this is no uh fly yeah. by night uh, executive who just caught lightning in a bottle. This is somebody who has been around for a long time and frankly is not going to waste his time. He doesn't suffer fools necessarily. And so I asked him when we had him as a guest, what his impression was of ryan poles last may when he came to town to spend the day with him when he was in town when the yankees played the white Sox?
2: it's really vitally important for us to you know we recognize we don't have everything everything figured out and and we'd love to collaborate uh with people within our industry but outside our industry whether it's colleges or pro sports so had the opportunity um one of our staff members had a relationship with ryan from from his previous position uh, and so I, I was asked early on, would I like to meet with them and, and with a few of my staff members? So, yeah, we we went out and spent the entire day before a night game with the White Sox up there at their facility. And I was blown away by the person, by the intellect. Um, and, you know, I, 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 you know, we shared a lot of conversations about experiences uh, and a lot of different things they use in training and, and what we do and data and how you incorporate it and how you go hiring people and kind of to tour their facility. And, and I would say if you're a Bears fan, you should believe that the future is extremely bright. Uh, they uh, you know, they got a, a great one in the general manager that they currently have with Ryan, and I know they've met the Big Ten. Former Big Ten commissioners, now they're present. And, uh, I, you know, I, I certainly like what the Bears are doing, and, and I think there's, you know, Again, there's nothing but a positive in their future. But it was a great experience for us with the Yankees um, to get to know them better and see the direction they're going. And, and the one thing I would say is he's not afraid. He's not afraid to make very difficult decisions. And, and that's you know that's a true sign of great leadership there.
4: Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager, speaking about Ryan Poles with whom he spent the day last May. Connections, a friend of a friend, that's what Net- networking is all about. <laughs> Interesting stuff from the Yankees GM
1: connections and, and friend of a friend are what things are all about, but it's also the hunger to expand your knowledge base in unconventional ways. And I remember talking to Ryan about this in the spring of 2022 and just that thirst he had to look outside of football, to look at different organizations around sports that have done things the right way and to try to find ways to, learn and pick pick the brains of people who have had high level success and then Brian Cashman that connection was obviously profound and he's Brian I remember saying talking about hey look like we walked through how do you um school yourself on how to be most productive in trades you know, what do you do in, in trade negotiations that help you in that regard? What do you do with your grade scales? Obviously, baseball and football, two totally different sports. But how can we maybe borrow some of this? And so there is an element here that is it instills confidence in me. And it's the same reason that I feel um, more promising i don't know if that's the right word or more more optimistic about matt Eberflus as a head coach because the, the level of preparation that goes into some of this stuff i think is it's impressive and and it's admirable that, that that they 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 go through those lengths to try to consider everything you know and to prepare themselves for everything before ryan ever had his opportunity to interview for a general manager job he realized oh i'm going to start to be on this list i'm going to start to be on this climb i've got to start compiling binders. I got to start understanding what my own vision is. I can't just walk in and say, oh, well, this is what we did in Kansas City. Well, maybe my vision is different. And so you sharpen your vision and you expand your vision through experience and you do it through learning. And this is an example of a learning experience that, that Ryan has taken in and applied and obviously uh, was, was obviously impactful on both sides.
4: All right, let's get through a few other things before we wrap up here. Quick thoughts on a couple of things I want to ask you about because we haven't talked in a while. Some Bears related, some Super Bowl related, and maybe we'll get to your crazy prediction next (laughs) pod so we can spend more time in you explaining it because you can have a fuller uh, explanation of why you are waffling to the extent you are and maybe you'll waffle some more.
1: Yeah, no, it's a simple explanation. I'll 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 just tease it like that. It's a simple explanation, and it's just uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll leave it for the next the next pod. But it's it's really easy to understand why this one eighty occurred.
4: Okay, let's focus on this one. So Aaron Rodgers says during his, the pro am that he won uh <laughs> last weekend and is it nice that Aaron Rodgers finally won something in February. There's also
1: um, been there's also been some some skepticism on whether he came in with the a, a proper handicap index. There's 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 some some rumbling that maybe he, Aaron was was def- deflate gating some stuff in the handicap.
4: Where do you think he ends up do you think it's going to be uh sure that is it certain that he's going to be traded in your mind and are the Raiders the most likely destination for Aaron Rodgers?
1: Well, I told you uh, on the Mullion and Hoss show a, a week ago that there's things you can count on. If you're into winter soap operas, you got All My Children, you got General Hospital, and you got Aaron Rodgers' offseason with the Pat McAfee show being the, the main portal to, to figure out what he's talking about in any given moment. I mean, obviously, I think the connections in Vegas, the one connection with Devontae Adams is 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 the most obvious. The, the, the need for a quarterback there is pronounced. It's certainly been... Uh, escalating buzz. It's just really fascinating to be in this state again where the Packers aren't showing their hand understandably and rogers is not feeling like he's in the loop as much as he quote-unquote deserves to be uh in certain conversations it's very interesting to hear that they're talking about me without uh without me there i can't believe they would do that uh that's just a little (laughs) throwaway so but i mean it's fascinating right because i think we all uh, believe that there were things in 2022 um that weren't great but certainly weren't indicative of a of a career nosedive and i think aaron's got a lot of good football left in him he's got to get in the right environment he's got to get into an environment that will accept all of the, the diva tendencies that he has let's be honest like that's a big ask for a building and so you better be very very confident that you're going to get the level of not only play but connection from him that's necessary to to make a run at uh, at the big prize
4: do the Texans hiring D'Amico Ryan's or the Panthers hiring Frank Reich have any impact, do you think, on either team's desire to move up and draft first overall and make a trade with the Bears?
1: I mean, I think the desire was already super high, you know, and so now it's all about the the the. the process the evaluation process and who likes which quarterback and you know can can you fall in love with two or three as we've talked about previously and and where do you value them and then that's all kind of team uh dependent and and it's going to be really interesting to see what the bears can can command on a trade i don't think those hirings do anything to push that up i think both those organizations are are hell-bent on on getting a quarterback in this cycle uh and then we'll figure out which direction they take to get it
4: the Chargers would save 14 million dollars under the salary cap if they cut Keenan Allen. Would you be interested if they did?
1: I'm interested in any proven, productive receiver that can help Justin Fields develop. Now, it's all about price tag, and I think I'm, I'm a little bit leery of, of some of the things I heard out of the general manager's mouth in January about, hey, maybe maybe our maybe our answers are in-house, you know, and there's that thought like, oh, okay, is, is that a, uh, you know, subterfuge to, to hide your, your actual plans, or do you genuinely believe that this isn't the best year to go and strike on a wide receiver, and you're going to try to put things together with, you know. Mooney and Chase Claypool and the the cast and Brian Pringle and whoever else is the equanimity of St. Brown that might be left at house hall. Um, uh, man like you, you got to get playmakers you have to and they, they they left themselves void of of playmakers in 2022 when we saw some of the corresponding results and the corresponding lack of production you cannot afford in, in what is going to be an absolutely critical year of development and developmental evaluation for justin fields to leave him without playmakers so if that's an option for you go kick the tires on it and make it happen if it fits your price tag
4: Does Tom Brady retiring and leaving the Buccaneers make it more or less likely that Mike Evans will be either wanting a trade or they will be moving on to save some money?
1: I asked a buddy of mine who is um, known for – throwing every possible future bear into my text thread at times to just continue to make a list of all the guys that we're putting on this quote-unquote shopping shelf for the bears every time something like this happens there's this this sentiment like oh the the entire bucks roster is now available you know just go just go down to tampa and figure out what you want to select and and buy it and purchase it yeah it's it certainly makes it more likely that they go in a new direction and that they try to uh rebuild in a in a different way but um you know i don't know we've had we've had 35 receivers linked to the bears here since november and and it's going to be fascinating if what the batting average on those 35 receivers that uh people have photoshopped into bears uniforms actually is I would, somebody should just compile maybe studs can do this in his spare time because he's overflowing with it just an image gallery of guys uh, photoshopped into bears jerseys that never become bears because that would be a, a, <laughs> a fun revisiting exercise in in june
4: an ex-bear robert quinn is at the super bowl with the eagles I heard him tell reporters on opening night at the Super Bowl, he was still mad about being traded. Do you buy it? Because that trade, as much as it might have worked out for Robert Quinn because he's at the Super Bowl – didn't work out so well for the eagles and i think i heard one of our guests on the mullion haw show philadelphia wip reporter referred to it as even disastrous
1: i do buy it david because if you get to know robert quinn as a dude you understand he's a real simple dude and that like the disruption of family and life for him was more pronounced than the pursuit of a super bowl now i guarantee you that he's loving this week and he's going to enjoy strapping on a helmet on sunday and going out on that big stage and and potentially having a chance to to kiss that, that that shiny silver trophy at the end of the evening, um, but I do believe, uh, it, just knowing Robert the way I got to know him over two years, that his wiring is is simpler than you know, he's more human than than ring-chasing athlete, if that makes sense, and so I do think he was he was jarred by it, and, and, and jostled by it, and thought that he was going to be around here win, lose, or draw. The Bears obviously I think made the most of that trade, and it, it's just part of this business. Moving on
4: from Quinn created some cap space, the Bears have Ninety two million dollars under the salary cap more than any other team in the NFL. The salary cap did increase for every team, giving each team theoretically more money to spend or more cash space to use. Do you think that will affect how aggressive the Bears are in free agency or maybe not aggressive, but how successful they are since more teams will now have more ammunition?
1: Well, that's part of it, right? Is other teams now have more ammunition, and a lot of that ammunition goes towards keeping your own guys. And so, some so a, a guy that you might have thought was going to get away into free agency, if you've got a little more cap space than you you figured, you've got a chance to now lock him up before he ever gets to that free agency flea market. And so, it may deplete the market of what the Bears thought they were going to be shopping, and now. I think the biggest key, and this is what you hear from people around the league right now, is Ryan Poles retaining discipline in the month of March. Like, we're going to look back on this and say, just because you have it to spend doesn't mean you have to spend it. And so that's going to be a big thing for Ryan Poles because it, you can save some of this. You can save so You don't have to go do all these contracts in 2023. The free agency class may be better in 2024. And you may say, well, look, like this just doesn't fit our price tag. And just because we have it to spend doesn't mean we have to spend it. So let's just sit and be cool with it and and save our resources for a later time for a player that fits better. And so that's where that discipline comes in because it can be really tempting. And you know, you can have that eagerness to want to cross things off your to-do list. We all have that. But if you do it haphazardly and recklessly, now you create more to-dos down the road. And one of the greatest uh, flaws of Ryan Poles' predecessor was the 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 need to constantly go address mistakes that he made previously how many times were we introduced to a new free agent tight end at house hall and said well wait a second trey burton's only here because deon sims was no good you know and right. like you just kept going through and, and and adam shaheen was no good so we you know don't don't put yourself in a position to have to go correct your mistakes long term make smart decisions and understand that that just because you have it to spend it should not inflate the, the the board that you have inside your, your, your war room up there at House Hall in terms of what guys are actually worth in the, the 2023
4: NFL. Last thing I have is this could be a very big week for the Bears in terms of their special teams legacy. We're going to find out Thursday night if Devin Hester is enshrined in this year's class that goes into Canton. Also, it would be cool to have this happen this year specifically because Dave Tobe, the special teams coach for the coordinator for all those years that Devin was running back, Punts and kickoffs, and putting himself in contention to be a Hall of Famer. He was the coach at Hallis Hall for the Bears. He's in Arizona. Devin Hester theoretically would be in Arizona when he finds out Thursday night NFL honors when they announce the class. That would be cool. What do you think the chances are this year Devin Hester gets in?
1: You know what would be the coolest about it is that it'd be the class of 23. Right. So you'd have that symbolic. You could do all sorts of cool (laughs) graphics class of 23 have the jersey out there. And it would be just really fun for Devin. Look like I've been firm with this since the day he became eligible. The dude's a Hall of Famer. If you not only experienced that that experience and, and just watching him play and understanding how he impacted games, all you have to do is talk to anyone who played on a coverage or on a return unit with them, or anyone who played on a coverage unit that tried to stop him, or coaches that coached him or against him. And you understand how much there is within Devin Hester that is respected and revered as once in a lifetime and, and, and generational. And I get it. He's a specialist and there's going to be some resistance on how do we put specialists in Devin deserves in. I don't know if he's going to get in David, because this is having sat on the hall of fame committee 10 years ago, I understand that the process is a little bit more um, complicated than, than most outsiders realize. And you only take yes or no votes on five guys. Okay. So a hundred percent of the room could, could be ready to vote yes for Devin, but if he doesn't crack that, that top five list of this year's 15, 15, then all of a sudden you don't even get to, to that yes or no vote, and so it's complicated. I think this year there's a consensus that Joe Thomas and Jarrell Rebus, first year eligible guys, are going to get in. They're going to they're be first first ballot guys, and so now we've taken a, a five five spots in musical chairs and we've stuck two bodies on them, you know. And so now you've got <laughs> thirteen guys running around, or, or uh, yeah, thirteen guys running around for for three more spots it gets complicated really quick. And a lot of really good football players get uh, rejected and denied and, and left behind until, until their day ultimately comes. But I certainly class of 23, I rubber stamp Devin in a heartbeat.
4: It's a good point, And it'd be a great thing to react to. And that's what we will do next time on our next pod. We will react to the Devin Hester news. We will get Dan's long awaited Super Bowl prediction and <laughs> I'll make mine as well. And we'll talk about the big game and any other bears news that may happen throughout the week. Anything else that we forgot, Dan?
1: Man, no. Uh, I mean, we are humming along right now. I think we touched on about a dozen topics here on a, a you know a, a random February uh, podcast here. So we know we're we're full steam ahead. We're on the express ramp to get in towards free agency and the draft. I mean, this is this is the year right now to be talking Chicago Bears football. We had
4: all this stuff to get to. We didn't even mock any mock drafts. So no,
1: no, right? Like yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah you got to get you got to get back into your mock draft mock.
4: That's right. All right. Great stuff. You can get the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us on the 670 the Score's YouTube page or the Odyssey YouTube page. Thank you for joining us today on the Take the North pod. We will talk to you next time. For Dan Weeder I am David Haw from 670 The Score. Thanks for listening.
1: Great talk. See you out there.